as long as I hit record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's have a long conversation, then realize that we didn't catch any of it. <laughs> I know. We got to do that whole thing again. <laughs> Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. It's I have to, to say, here. you are my first live interview, so this I'm is very excited. exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> I don't have the, the comfort of hiding behind a computer screen this time. <laughs> so the nerves will set in. Exactly. And actually, it's nice because we are in Flying M in downtown Boise, Idaho, and watching the winter wonderland outside pass by. Yeah, definitely some wander out there. Now, you're not used to this weather anymore, and why is that, Zach? I'm not. It's been, yeah, three years since I've been uh, chilled to the bone like I have in these past few days because I've been living in Thailand. Ooh. So the temperature out there, if you know, is a little bit warmer than it is here. Bangkok, mean average temperature is actually the hottest city in the world. Really? Fun fact for you. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So certainly not the hottest peak temperatures, but in terms of across the board for the whole year. There's so many different city. ways to analyze data to get that kind of fact. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun to be number one in those sorts of things, I guess. But yeah, so I have kind of acclimated to that. So coming back to, to this, it's great to be home around the holidays, but it's definitely hurting being outside a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bitter outside. It now, is. you said you've been, it's been about three years almost since you've been back home. Yep. I didn't realize that you hadn't been home since you left. I, I guess I did visit last year. Okay. Um, I was here for almost a month last summer. So I didn't get hit by the, by the cold, but I did get a swing in and see family and friends and everything like that for a little while. Um, but yeah, this is the first time back into the holiday season. It's a good time to be here. It is. It is, yeah. How is it coming back after that long? I mean, do you feel like a tourist in your own town now? A little bit. Um, I don't know if tourist is necessarily the right word, but it definitely feels, feels like you're stepping into the past a bit. Um, everything sort of comes back. I was talking about this with my family the other day that, you know, you start to feel out your space again and everything starts to come back. But things like street names and new shops and everything that weren't there before kind of throw you for a loop. So navigating um, is a little bit different. And then you see familiar faces that you, you know, haven't seen in ages and everything kind of floods you with a whole sense of... Um, what it was to be here before. How has that been, uh, catching up with friends? I mean, are, are you able to get people to make time for you, or are you uh, having to twist their arms to, to meet up? Certainly no arm twisting. Everyone's <laughs> excited that I'm back and really happy to see me, as I am them. The, the challenge is, you know, while my, my life in Thailand kind of freezes while I leave and come back here, no one else's life freezes when I come back, so everyone's still got their day-to-day -day stuff that they're taking care of, so... Um, it's definitely a test of timing in trying to make room for everyone while I'm here. And obviously, family has to come first there, so I spend a lot of time out in the Caldwell-Nampa area with family, but it's actually my first day back in downtown Boise. So Welcome. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm excited to spend a bit of time out here today and walk around, see what's new, run into some f familiar people. How do, the, how do the conversations go when you start catching up with people and stuff? Are they just... Just a typical, hey, how's, how's Thailand? Are they really interested in, in your life and the differences over there? Or is it pretty, to stay pretty casual and then you guys start reminiscing about the past? Uh, it's a whole mix, you know. I mean, people definitely, there's a lot of the same sorts of questions like, you know, how do you put up with the heat over there? And um, what's it like to teach Thai students? What's the, what are the differences? So some of the common stuff, but um, then you get some 
sometimes silly questions about like, oh, do they have McDonald's over there? Like these big <laughs> international franchises. Like, they yeah, have they have a lot of McDonald's, a lot of 7-Elevens. <laughs> um, so things that I guess I now take for granted having traveled a little bit and understood a bit more about cultures around the world. Um, whereas, like especially my little cousins who haven't been out of um, Idaho much, let alone, you know, the country. And so I had one of my little cousins yesterday actually ask me, do you know who the new president is? And, you wow. know, being kind of sarcastic, I was like, no, you know, in Thailand, we don't see anything. And he's like, well, can you guess? And so it's, it's just cute to see, you know, people how, um, not in a bad way, but ignorant they are to <laughs> kind of things. And of course, my cousins being so young and everything, it's, it's cute having the conversations with them and lying to them and exaggerating a little bit about yeah. some of the stuff that goes on across the world. I'm actually surprised that comes from your younger cousins who I would think would get like, you know, with technology these days, you know what's going on everywhere. Whereas maybe your grandma and grandpa would be like, oh, you've missed so much, Zach, <laughs> let me catch you up. <laughs> no kidding, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing too is the whole advent of technology and social media makes it so easy to just connect whenever I want. Um, that coming back and catching up with people, I've already kind of had a head start seeing all their Facebook pictures and seeing, you know, new babies in the family or new friends that are getting married and all of that stuff. So I kind of jump back and just pick up from where I last saw on Facebook, you know. Yeah, it's crazy how much you can keep up with people without ever actually seeing them these days. Yeah. And it's I feel like a total creeper constantly. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I feel like I spend... Well, certainly with people here, obviously, because I'm never here, but um, that I, I keep tabs on more people than I realize just through scrolling across Facebook. And when I eventually do run into them or chat with them again, it's like, oh, hey, I saw this, 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 and this, you know, and you do realize, oh, yeah, I've kind of been stalking you for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll actually see people I've never met before, but I've seen them in, like, friends' photos on Facebook. And then it creates like a really interesting time. Like, where do I know you from? And then you finally realize, oh shoot. Yeah. It's I've never met you. Yeah. It's from someone's Facebook picture. Now I feel like uh, like a creeper. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And that's kind of cool too. Having worked as a Tesla instructor in Thailand for a while, and having a lot of new foreigners from all over the world, but a lot from the states coming in, and you know, adding them on Facebook, and then seeing that we have mutual friends from someone wherever in the country or even the world that we've both met or grown up with or whatever and I, I had a girl that I was training um, last year and she was actually um, good friends with a girl that I'd gone to elementary school with and they'd met in university and stuff like that and so it's crazy to have those connections. By far that's my favorite feature of Facebook is looking at mutual friends. I don't know why, just you know that six degrees of separation is fascinating to me. Yeah. I always want to find out how I know somebody or who we both know and yeah. just finding that common ground. I don't know what it is, it's just always interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know you've I don't know how many countries countries you've hit now, but you're definitely a very charismatic guy, so I'm sure you always <laughs> well, thank you. you always leave quite awake when you come in and out of places and meet new people and stuff so I'm sure that your network is it's not big enough not now. big enough yet. never big enough never big enough no I, I, it's it's one of those things I eventually have to realize it's better to have you know a handful of really close friends than a bunch of people that I barely know spread out across the world but it's 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 great having those connections because I actually feel like and I've talked about this with some other people um, 
you know, sometimes the connections you make while abroad, while traveling and stuff, you might see someone for a week or two weeks, maybe only a few days, and I don't know, sometimes that bond, like, becomes far stronger than people that I grew up with, and, you know, you just, I don't know what it is about it, I don't know if it's the vulnerability of traveling or um, just because you, you know, you share more than, you know, history and geography, you know, that connects you, and so it's just something that sustains you know the distance once you do leave so yeah i think yeah you mentioned you know the vulner- vulnerability of travel and again speaking to my experience with uh, being a tesla instructor and everyone comes from all different walks of life but there's there's always kind of a, a common motivation that brings people to thailand or brings people abroad to work and live and travel for a little while and um Part of our orientation um, is having people share their stories and try and open up and allow themselves to be vulnerable, vulnerable a little bit for the sake of their peers, to get to know each other, but also to really understand that everyone's there for a lot of the same reasons and you're going to be your own you know, support network for each other and it's important that you get close. And people do get really close over the months that they live and stay together while they train. And then we place them all across Thailand and they you know, stay in touch and share stories when they're out in the classroom. and. Um, good stories, horror stories, all of that stuff, and I think it's really valuable when you have, you know, those people that you meet abroad to kind of be there for you. That's awesome because a situation like that, you instantly have a, a network and instantly have contacts, you know, spread out where you can go and visit. And and in that kind of situation, you got to build a bond really fast going through a training program like that. Yeah. Let's jump into that. I want to so because that's what's really fascinating to me is you know you went. Um, you know, a lot of people might not know that you can just go and teach English in other places of the world and and make money and you know, live in a different culture and then have a base set up to go travel from. So let's talk about your journey. Like, how did the idea? How did you come up with the idea? How did you pursue it? And you know, talk about the different decisions you made along the way. Yeah. Well, I think um, for anyone who has looked into programs of teaching or working abroad, it kind of just starts out from being a little blind and just jumping onto Google and starting to search and hope that you find some programs that are legitimate, not just scams and everything. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's, yeah, where I started. And I found a handful of different ones that I looked into and kind of reached out to and um, ended up finding one that really seemed right. And I'd met a few people here around Boise or had friends that had visited Boise or studied or visited Thailand or studied abroad there. And it felt like it was, you know, the place I was meant to go. So... Um, fully committed to that program, um, went to Thailand, went through just like I was talking about where I was working, went through that very same program um, with a group of 15 other people, got our teaching certificates, um, taught at a Thai school for a year, went back to that same program and was an instructor for them for about a year and a half. <clears throat> and just this last month, I decided that I'm ready to go back to teaching Thai students. So I'm actually uh, moving once again. Um, a few hours north of where I was, back to Bangkok, and we'll go back to teaching at a Thai school. Um, and yeah, I've since um, teaching in Bangkok the first time, I've definitely yeah, met a lot of new foreigners um, through the training, but also gotten a lot of questions from people, um, certainly back here in Boise, like I was talking to you earlier, um, asking about this you know, process of getting into that. And so um, while I'm now pretty well experienced on the process, it's hard to really throw all that knowledge at someone. Mm-hmm. 
in a snap. So, um, I mean, I would say, yeah, just get on Google and just start doing research, you know, um, and look for programs that are trying to create an experience, certainly for travel and adventure, but also something that's enriching and doing something uh, bigger than just that travel bug that you have, you know, something that really does give back to the community that you're going to and know that the adventure is up to you to create. You know, a lot of people think that they, they need to go and be in this certain setting and live this close to a beach or this close to an island and that's what will make their adventure complete. Um, but so many of our teachers have gone and worked in little rural areas or towns that they never would have chosen themselves and have a life-changing experience that you know, really shifts their life for the better in a lot of ways. So definitely be willing to open your mind a little bit if you're looking to go out and do this sort of thing. Sounds incredible to me. Like, I'd love to go to a little rural area and, and live and just really kind of understand the culture more than just seeing it for a couple of days and bouncing out or somewhere you know, that's more heavily, uh, that's more on the tourist trail, mm-hmm. you know, so it's kind of probably got a little more watered down culture, you know, they cater a little more to Western tourists yeah. and stuff. So it's just cool. It'd be cool seeing, you know, the real countryside, oh, yeah. real lifestyles. Absolutely. And that's as much as I still love TripAdvisor and use that when I'm traveling around a little bit, um, you know, you can't rely on that to tell you where you need to be like yeah hit some of the tourist spots get those pictures that you know 100 people behind you are also getting at the very same time um, but allow yourself just to get lost just give yourself that space to wander into little villages or say yes to you know some random person that offers to take you somewhere you've never heard of and um, just roll with it because those are going to be some of the best stories in the moment you might get into frustrating situations with transportation or you know, meeting some frustrating people or whatever, but when you come out of it and you look back, at the very least it makes for an amazing story, if not an opportunity to really learn a lot about yourself and grow and have this amazing little moment in your life. Certainly won't forget it, that's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. So how did you how did you ultimately decide on Thailand? From my you know, I looked into teaching English abroad at one point and I know from what I found it's like South Korea and China definitely seem like they're the the two countries that paid the most like if you're going to make money and save up money um and you don't really care it seemed like that was a good idea but ultimately what drew you to thailand um like i said i did have some friends that visited and spoke very highly of it so that was huge but i think also um being someone who's very last minute and not the best planner maybe i'm just yeah lazy um thailand (laughs) was to be honest one of the the easier processes like there were a lot of paperwork and stuff like that, a lot of preparation, um, but there weren't quite as many hoops as other countries, like South Korea is one that I've heard of people having amazing experiences, but there's a lot more to the process of um, getting accepted and getting hired into those programs. It can be worth it in the end, because like you said, you make more money, so if you're looking to save, that's a great option. Um, But yeah, Thailand's a very, a much more relaxed process and it may sound bad, but there's, um, you know, some some stuff with immigration and um, the government there that that you can kind of get by um, without having to be completely 100% by the book. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you always have to worry with travel with visas and stuff like that, which you need to be smart with when you travel. Um, but sometimes immigration officers, if there's a little issue or something, if 
you're pleasant and they enjoy you, then sometimes they'll kind of turn the blind eye and give you that stamp that you need when maybe they could have said no. So that's what's great and ter- terrible about Thailand is it. Um, Sounds like the good old days. <laughs> yeah, in a way, yeah. So, I mean, Thailand was one of those where I didn't feel like I was faced with too many barriers. It all just kind of fell into place and um, went smooth right from the get-go. There was another program I also looked into going to China, and I didn't pursue it for long because it just it didn't feel right, and the, um, the initial application and um, stuff that they were asking for just didn't, didn't feel right for whatever reason, um, at least not in that stage of the process. So... Um, having also been looking at the other ones, that one with Thailand just felt more legit and a lot more comfortable for me to continue with. So, Awesome. I, what interests me in, in that kind of a setup is the transferability of it. Um, how easy would it be for you to, you know, with your, with your experience and with your certifications, to just pack up and, and say, now I want to go live and teach here, or I want to go, then I want to go live and teach here, like, how easy would it be for you to you know, transfer every year or two years for people who are interested in you know, using it to set up bases all over the place? Yeah, it's definitely feasible. And um, like the program I went through, the, the TESOL certificate is internationally accredited. So we've even had people, one of the girls that came through the course with me back in 2014, she's now um, back home, I believe in Maryland. And um, she's teaching for a company that teaches ESL learners, adult learners um, in her hometown. And so she's, you know, using that certif- certification back home. Uh, but yeah, definitely other countries abroad, um, getting that certification definitely opens the doors. There's still, kind of going back to South Korea, if I was to go there, there's still all those hoops that I'd have to jump through. Uh, but with my experience and that certification, it definitely uh, presents a lot more opportunities than just kind of going in blind. So um, for a place like Thailand, schools do hire people without the teaching certificate um, but it just makes it a, a little bit easy, easier a little bit more comfortable when you've kind of gone through that initial process and kind of know a little bit what to expect because I think the biggest thing that people certainly think about but you can never prepare for, prepare for are the cultural differences in any country that you're going to go to and so you know you're thinking about adapting yourself to being a teacher and preparing for all of that and what you can't really account for are all the different cultural curveballs that are going to fly your way that you just have to uh, kind of have to wing it when you're there and um, so going through a program a lot of programs our program that I went through uh, did an orientation that talks a lot about the culture and really helps you acclimate and transition into that culture as well as get you prepared for a teacher to be a teacher so that's a big benefit of going through something like that and you teach so you not only teach Thai students English, but now you've also worked up to where you have the option of teaching, you know, incoming foreigners who want to teach English. Um, tell me about what you like and dislike about each. What are the pros and cons to those two different programs? I think, like I was just talking about with the uh, the whole cultural side of things. <coughs> Excuse me. In the the Thai classroom and with the Thai education system and everything, there's a lot of stuff that can be really frustrating. For us coming from the Western world where um, things are planned out and regimented and people are pretty upfront about um, what they want and their expectations, whereas kind of the Thai style at least is not, is not exactly that way. So you really have to, have to go through a lot of 
frustrating experiences at first before you start to realize that you know you really have to be the one willing to change and adapt and just go with the flow and everything so I think that was one that I've probably learned the most but was probably the has been the most difficult in terms of working in a Thai classroom uh, for working and teaching foreigners um, the nicest thing is you can just you know speak English to them they, they understand um, <laughs> Thai students it's tough to get them to pay attention to you but uh, I think working with foreigners is on the flip side of that getting them prepared for those shocks and so you spend this month with them getting them prepared to teach in a classroom plan their lessons and you know share thousands of stories with them little stories about the struggles you went through but that only does so much and so it's not until a month two three months after they're out on their own in the classroom going through those struggles where they will you know message me back on Facebook or email or whatever and say you know what Zach I thought you were full of it before when you were talking about this but now I understand what you mean because I've gone through this this and this and it's like yeah you don't really know until you're kind of just tossed in with the sharks so um, I think again same sort of thing it's very rewarding to get people to that point but that's kind of the the big challenge while the new incoming teachers are with us was giving them as much knowledge as you could to try and prepare them knowing that they're not going to get it quite yet and having to put up with some frustrations from them because they don't quite get it so there's kind of that catch-22. I remember you when I so I visited Zach in was it 2014 it's been about a year and a um, half it would have been I think March of last year because it was right when I finished up at my school right it was March of last year so 2015 yeah all right I'm, I'm bad with that <laughs> um, and I remember you talking about uh, you know some of the <laughs> they're funny to me but some of the interactions you were having with the other teachers and the way that they would refer to you <laughs> and you know and you know, to them it just probably was normal as you were the you were the white guy <laughs> yep, yep. you want to talk about some of those experiences you know oh, integrating man. with the teachers and some of the, the clashes that the cultural clashes that you had yeah well there oh, it's, it's hard to pinpoint any one certain story but um, the in, in general Thai people are amazing I mean most people are amazing um, but there's yeah something about the Thai culture and Thai way of life that um, really brings humility to to Thai people and Thai teachers because teachers are really revered in Thailand and respected and so they are really proud of what they do and everything like that so stepping into that a um, little daunting at first stepping into that kind of authoritative role and knowing that you're surrounded by people who are doing something that I believe is very very important and take it very seriously that's awesome um, the challenge can be for me, it was definitely the language barrier a little bit because even the Thai teachers who taught English at the school didn't speak English that well. So just general communication was a challenge. And then that same um, same thing I was going through th there, getting through the challenges of the Thai culture, they were trying to kind of meet me halfway and understand where I'm coming from and understand my culture. And so some of the kind of back and forth of you know this is how we do it we understand that this is what you believe or how you've done things but we have to do it this way but we want to try and do this for you and so it's just kind of this crazy back and forth where you're both compromising pushing back compromising pushing back and uh, there were there was one moment that I can think of where this 
teacher came up to me while I was on the computer doing lesson plans and uh, very nice woman um, always had good little chats but she came up and started suggesting to me how I should change my lessons or do things a certain way and she had never been in my classroom to see how I taught so um, you know me being focused here on my work and her coming over my shoulder and just kind of criticizing what I was doing not having known anything about what I had been doing was a little who doesn't like that I know right um, so yeah I kind of nicely but defensively asked her have you you know watched one of my classes and she's like no and I'm like okay well I I think this way will work okay she's like oh okay okay and for her I mean I think she was just trying to offer support and um, she obviously understands the Thai students better than I ever will uh, but just I think the way that she did it was much more abrasive than what she intended um, so coming out of that again just having to realize that we're trying to compromise for each other in ways she was trying to offer support I didn't think that she was in a place to give it so um, little things like that were you're just kind of back and forth with them but there was also the English director tons of stories with her so I won't get too too deep into <laughs> it but eventually we dubbed her Skeletor um, <laughs> is, this a, is this a looks thing or a personality or both? Her personality okay. she was um, I'm, I'm sure that outside of school where she was the authority she was a very sweet lady but um, in Thailand there's a very strict hierarchy in terms of age so if you're the eldest person at the school, eldest teacher at the school, like she was, you don't question her. Um, in some cases, even if your role is equal to hers, um, she's the eldest, and so you kind of respect her just for that. And you know the foreign teachers don't necessarily want to abide by that, so I think we kind of rubbed her the wrong way sometimes, questioning some of the ways that she did things or um, maybe in unintentional ways coercing other teachers to do things our way rather than hers and so um, I think that kind of created some friction and she was just always a little bit cold and um, short with us so um, that was tough to have to deal with that person as you know our boss and just kind of again going back to that just accept and roll with it um, now, was she the one who would refer to you as the, was it Falang or Farang? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in Thai, Falang is the, the word for foreigner. Kind of like gringo, right? Kind of, yeah. yeah. It's, it's usually not intended to be um, offensive or anything like that, but when the Thai teachers know your names... Um, and should respectfully refer to you as, you know, Teacher Zach or Teacher John, my coworker. And, you know, they refer to you in conversation with other Thais as the Falang rather than Teacher Zach. Then it just doesn't feel right, you know. And she was one who, yeah, knew full well what our names were and what she should be calling us. But she would always kind of use that demeaning term, I think, just to make sure everyone knew that we were, we were on the sidelines a little bit. And she was... Know in your the place. driver's seat, yeah, which kind of have to respect and everything like that since we were you know, only at the school for the year, so we could put up with it. But. Yeah, it's interesting because, I don't know, when you first told me that story, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound so bad. When I travel in South America, I refer to myself as the gringo, and I laugh about it and stuff, but also I'm not in a professional setting. I'm not going to be there long term. And, you know, it's almost when I put it in perspective as like, 
if you if there was a foreign teacher working in a school here in the states and the administrators were referring to her as the foreigner or the Mexican or you know that you know some kind of you know just more direct term is yeah broad it's almost dehumanizing yeah, and it would yeah. it would be a problem mm-hmm. and so when I thought it's sometimes I it's hard to think about it or when I think about something like that inside my own culture then I see you know the inappropriateness of it and how it would be taken but then also you know you are more familiar with Thai culture and whether or not that would be acceptable and what the proper way that she should be addressing you is and stuff but yeah and I've, I've certainly come a long way too I mean I was still ignorant in so many ways then and still in many ways now but I've learned a lot and I've come a long way with the Thai language and everything so I know that now if I was faced with a situation like that that I'd find ways to butter up a little bit and make sure that she um, wanted to respect me in a lot of ways because I was showing her the utmost respect as well Um, whereas back then I was a little bit I tried to fight fire with fire instead of um, being a little bit um of, a, of an ass kisser, so to speak. So schmoozed her. Yeah, I should have. Should have wooed her. <laughs> so smooth. How has your uh, tie developed over the course of these almost three years? I, um, I mean, I, I humbly say very well. I think because um, it's it's always nice to hear when you speak to a Thai person in Thai, and the first thing they respond to you with is you know that your tie is very good. How long have you been here? Oh, it makes you feel so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I'm still far from fluent, but um, I've gotten to a point where I can read and write Thai now, like like a child. So I'm, I'm kind of like a kid reading and writing. Still counts. Yeah. Um, but I can, you know, hold a conversation um, pretty well. And the Thai language is just so different. So I still get stumbled up and everything, but it's, it's fun to be able to walk into just about any situation, whether or not a Thai person speaks English, and be able to get by and um, come out of that situation successfully and to be clear you didn't speak any Thai before you went over there no no um I, I tried to listen to I can't even remember what the the uh the audio files were called but um tried to learn a little bit of Thai and I got certainly some greetings down and everything like that but you don't really perfect it until you live in it and you know hear hundreds of people around you speaking it and everything since it's a tonal language as well that's a big thing that's you don't get practice with here so um yeah i only would say that i learned a handful of things before actually getting to thailand and then when i got there i'm like oh i've been saying i'm wrong but <laughs> as far as vocab started out all right you'd be proud of me i still remember sawadee kap and kap kung kap yep which is just good job very clever I, uh, even after traveling with you for, what was it, about 10, 12 days, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Last year, um, I was, where was I? I was in Tonsai Beach. This is when I was on my, the solo part of my trip. And I don't know why, but I just, a lot of the women that I've been interacting with, they'd say, uh, ka or Kapunka. Mm-hmm. And so I started saying that. I thought oh, that yeah. they were, it was kind of the, I just thought it was more of a local way of saying, <laughs> you know, they didn't pronounce the P. Yeah. And uh, finally some dude called me out and he's like, only girls say that. <laughs> You're saying it like a woman. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So yeah, those, I mean, every language has those subtle differences that we just, don't even get because we just don't have them at all and so yeah the the ka krap sort of thing is the same where females when they end a sentence politely always say ka males always say krap or kap and so yeah it's it's common for people to come in and not knowing you're yeah trying to pick up and learn just through listening and 
most Thai people just kind of laugh at you a little bit at first, make yeah. you feel a little embarrassed, but then kind of correct you. So I've yeah, been he, through a lot of those He corrected me kind of like, what, are you dumb? You sound like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. Sorry, man. It's not my first language. How is it trying to teach... Um, because I think a lot of people would probably be intimidated coming over trying to teach English when they don't speak Thai. And then, obviously, the students mm-hmm. don't speak English. So how, how was it your first day walking into a class of students who don't speak English and you're going to try and teach them everything you know? Yeah, I mean, how, how, what is that like? Well, it's funny. I get a lot of people who ask me, especially, you know, the new teachers coming and say, well, tell us what your first day was like. And I honestly can't really recall it because it was just a blur and I think the whole week was just kind of a blur of just being flooded with all of just these things. Just get through this. But um, yeah, thinking back, generalizing it um, it was certainly a lot of fun because one thing I always tell people going into the Thai classroom is you are going to be a performer more than you are like this authoritative instructor speaking eloquently to these kids, you know, you have to have fun with them and be active and um, get them to want to keep their eyes on you and try and listen to you by kind of being silly and being goofy and using the language in a very simple way where they can follow a lot of gesturing, all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, those first um, few weeks or the entire time I was there, I just kind of felt like an idiot at times because I was being very, very animated with um, these even high school age students. I taught 12, 13, 14 year olds and then 17, 18-year-olds, the uh, Matiom 6 or the senior level. And so with the older students, I was still, you know, a goofball. But um, the nice thing with the language barrier is that they can make fun of you all they want. You don't know what they're saying, so you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance uh, is bliss. Exactly. So, yeah, they eventually, you know, they, they knew that I was kind of goofy and silly and stuff. But when I really needed them to buck down and pay attention and stuff and kind of got a little bit serious with them and they could tell, okay, Teacher Zach needs us to focus now. Um, so they, after yeah, building that connection with them and stuff, they started to respect me on certainly a different level than the Thai teachers. I wasn't that strict authoritarian, um, but they knew that I was a good guy and I was there for the right reasons and that I had fun with them when I could. Um, but when I was serious, that, all right, we need to show a little more respect. So it was nice. Sounds like humility would go a long way in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've heard some teachers who... I don't necessarily want to say snap, but they have some bad days and they, you know, yell and get angry. And that when the students don't understand what you're saying and they just see you getting frustrated and freaked out, they just close up. So, you know, in those moments, um, and I'd had those moments too, where I'd get really upset. It's like, all right, just kind of let everything go, meet them halfway, try and do something that'll pull them back in. And then um, as best as you can explain to them that, you know, they need to do this, this, and this, and then they can, you know, earn this reward or whatever. And um, so you got to definitely meet them halfway and they'll respect you for that. What are some of the skills that you've either honed or developed since you've went over there, you know, outside of like, you know, speaking Thai? Um, I mean, just personally on a personal level, how have your, how has your development progressed? You know, just being in this kind of a situation, trying to perform in front of kids and students, um, I'm curious about your personal growth. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Something I should think about and reflect on more often. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to put you on the spot here. You yeah, take a minute to think yeah. if you want. The, don't no, have to I jump think, in or we can I mean, come back to it. The, the main thing that comes to mind is, and I've kind of touched on it, is patience. Um, 
and being willing to just accept what's happened in the moment and just kind of move forward knowing that that's the way things are and just accepting it like you made that choice you know like all right things haven't really gone as planned i would rather them have gone this way but here's how they are so all right cool here's what we can do with it and i think you know that certainly helps with the stress and everything but then when you kind of exude that positivity and and calm than the people that you're interacting with and everything sense that and that kind of in turn gives you back what you need you know is that that calm and that kindness and everything so um, I mean one one good story that I love to tell people about the humility and kindness of Thai people is I was at an English camp uh, this one weekend and needed to travel a few hours to get back to Bangkok to teach the next day and I had to miss dinner because I had to travel and the weather was uh, kind of bad outside and so I wasn't in a really good mood so I get into the taxi he's taking me to the bus station and this guy big smile on his face speaks very very little English but he you know how are you did you eat dinner and I know they you know we're serving dinner but I had to miss it so I'll just you know sleep on the bus eat when I get home whatever um, he, he understood enough to know that I was hungry and could tell that um, I was a little grumpy and so I was just kind of short with him the whole ride. And then we get there. I, you know, just kind of um, quickly, thank you, thank you, Kalkun Kap, and jump out, run to the bus, get to my seat, lay my head back, close my eyes, and the, the bus attendant woman walks over, taps me on the shoulder, and has this bag of food. Um, I think it was just some muffins and, like, a juice or something, but I kind of look at her, and she points out the window, and that taxi driver was standing out there under an awning out of the rain, um, but made sure that he saw me and saw that I got my food and gave me the biggest why and wave to me. And I was just taken aback that, you know, I was just a jerk to this guy. Um, and all he got out of our conversation was that I hadn't eaten. And so he took it upon himself to park his taxi, get out, spend, you know, just a couple minutes, but buying me food and making sure that I got it with the rainstorm and everything going on and um, just to do his small part in making me feel better. And so that always sits with me. And any time that I um, get frustrated and want to just close off and everything, I'm like, nope, nope, I've got to try and come out of this and do some good because it may make a world of difference to someone else, you know? So still something that I'm honing, but something that I definitely keep in mind, probably more so than I had been before. And so when I find myself in those frustrating moments, it's that patience, think back to what I can do to come out of it. And wow, I, that's a... I love those kind of stories. It's just powerful, yeah. and they're great mechanisms to, to use to ground you when you do, you know, start to have, like, a, a spat of bad mood, bad temper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had a similar experience like that. Um, when was it? It was after, so, so I backpacked South America for about five right. months, went to Germany for three, and then I came back, and I was, you know, ready to explore the world, and so I found a van I wanted to buy down in California. I was going to bring it back, and turn it into a big adventure van and stuff and you know long story short um the van i that was going to be a smoking deal uh i couldn't get past about 30 miles away from where i bought it and i was on the coast of california and you know i had probably a 12 hour drive back home right. and there's just no way it was going to happen and it had broken down twice all my friends that had come up with me had to go back oh, and so i'm like by myself i'm just beaten um 
and I'm sitting in this little shop because I just don't know what to do and I don't want to put any more money into this van, into this trip. And uh, I was just tired because I slept outside on the ground the night before and it was freezing and because I didn't want to get another hotel. I wasn't going to spend another $100 on a hotel. And this is about three days into it and my buddy just went home that morning and I'm sitting in this area where I would like, uh, it was in between like a store and some other businesses where it had like a table and stuff and I had my peanut butter and jelly sitting on the table because I, I was trying to eat cheap too because everything yeah. was expensive there and I just had my head down because I didn't sleep much I was charging my phone and I get this tap on the shoulder and this guy had come up to me and he's trying to hand me money and I'm like what and he's like the, the lady over there would like you to have this so you can get some food and it's a five dollar bill and there's this um, little Hispanic lady who I don't think spoke any English with her son and um, she's like nodding her head like take it and I look at him, I'm like, oh, no, 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 I, I'm fine. Thank you so much. I have money. He's like, he's like look, like, it's going to break her heart if I give it back to her. Just take the money and get yourself a burrito. And I take it, and I look at her, and I just, I just say, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I say, gracias, gracias, yeah. mucho gracias. And, and uh, she just, you know, like, waved. She just wanted to make sure I was taken care of and, like, walked out. And I just put my head down, and I cried. Wow. <laughs> I was like, after all that, like, and then after that, I just didn't care anymore. Like, what happened to the van? What happened to me? And I just really, like... You know, it was just like a beautiful arc to this trip. Mm -hmm. I ended up selling the van for $200, and I bought it for just had just bought it two days ago for 800 <laughs> and spent a few hundred dollars, like, on the trip flying down there and, oh, and everything. Man. And then I just went and flew back home and took a bus and flew back home. So, But it was just some of those powerful moments, like, when I when I think things are bad or I don't know. It just, it's just one of those, like, things, one of those stories that really, like, brings you brings back that faith in humanity and yeah, the absolutely. beauty in people and strangers and stuff and I kept that $5 bill for a long time wanting to give it pay it forward mm -hmm. and I lost it I don't know how it just disappeared out of my wallet one oh, day wow. I don't know where it went but uh still uh obviously it's it was more of a symbolic thing I'd still yeah. give another $5 bill oh, but yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah that's definitely an amazing story and I mean kind of like you said it's just symbolic that $5 bill and now well, it surely was still frustrating that you lost all that other money and everything, but now, like, that story is something that, you know, you never know when it's going to pop up, and it has kind of planted the seed that may help make you some bigger decisions in the future, so. It was an expensive lesson, but hopefully <laughs> no I can use it, put it to good use yeah. in my future. Yeah, no, that's awesome. What are a couple of things, what are two things that really surprised you about Thai culture and then two things that you really admire and love about Thai people now. Two-part question. Answer however you want. All right. Um, and I know it's hard because you've been there so long. It's hard to remember your first initial reactions. It, yeah. But I, I do think that one of the things, I mean, I talked about, you know, people's ignorance and especially my little cousin's ignorance and everything like that. But even for me going to Thailand, um, there were things that, surprised me because yeah I, I didn't expect them to have um, you know these amazing giant exquisite malls with water fountains or waterfalls inside and um, the cinemas there that are a hundred times better than cinemas around here and yeah 4d cinemas and all of this stuff that it's like wow this is you know a third world country they shouldn't have these things <laughs> and just the other day for the first time in Bangkok when I was um, on my way back out here I saw an A&W in Bangkok um, which started out, you know, a little tiny little root beer chain, and now it's in Thailand. So I think um, 
it's it was surprising, still is sometimes with A&W, um, to just see how much of the rest of the world is in Thailand as well as other places, just how similar places really are. Um, I think both physically in those ways with um, brands and chains and all of that stuff. Um, but then if we want to get you know really deep here with people and our passions and everything like that and so it's been really cool to travel and yeah see those physical differences with things that are around um, but then also realize that while there's all those cultural differences and stuff that I've kind of touched on with Thai people at the end of the day we just you know want to be surrounded with love and kindness and um, just live a good healthy life and um so now I'm trying to segue into the second part of that question, which was uh, two things that you know, now that you understand Thai culture a little better, two things that you really admire about the culture, or two things that you know have really had an influence or an impact on you. I think, like I've talked about with the the humility with Thai people, Thailand by and large has been one of the, the safest places I've ever felt. I mean, being in Boise, definitely feel very safe walking the streets here and everything like that, but... Times are changing, Zach. You've yeah, been gone for yeah. a while. All right, I better watch out. Um, but no, I've, I've never felt unsafe in Thailand. Um, there's, there's certain areas that you kind of know, like, eh, that looks a little sketchy, maybe I'll avoid it. And there's still bad things that happen in Thailand, just like anywhere in the world but I feel very safe and very comfortable there. And while part of that certainly is the way that you interact with your world and kind of the energy you give off, I think that just in general, Thai people really do care about others and are very humble. And there is a lot of poverty there and you see people begging on the streets and everything, but um, it's almost sad sometimes how humble and selfless even those people are um, and so and I'm still figuring it out because that's one thing you see people begging on the street or kids coming to sell you roses because their parents told them that they have to sell all these before they can come back and go to bed at night and so they're walking around just trying to sell stuff to go home and sleep and you can't be constantly giving out money to everyone um, but it definitely makes you feel fortunate and humbled in you know me getting the opportunity to live abroad live comfortably um, make a really good salary over there um, but still be surrounded by all of that and so I'm still kind of trying to find how I can give ma give back in more ways than just you know teaching um, so I think that humility and selflessness of Thai people has made me feel a really deep connection to them and their culture and I think that's part of why or a huge reason actually why I'm still there it's because I feel that connection and that desire to do more for Thailand because it's definitely given me a lot I don't know if that directly answers the question no it was great <laughs> like I said however you want to take it. you know I I have to agree with you when I first got to Thailand you know, my my other big backpacking trip had been in South America and you know the people were amazing there too and i l absolutely love the latin culture 
obviously it varies place to place, but um, you know, there's definitely a certain amount of you, you you hold back a little bit because you know you go to a bus station, you go to certain areas, and you ask for help, or you know you just obviously standing out, you get approached by people, and you just they always want money for the help. They always want something in exchange. Not always. I mean, that's a generalization, but it's very common. You go to the bus station and, you know, someone's trying to be the middleman, which is understandable. Um, and so they're trying to get, take you to their bus windows and their ticket yeah, windows and yeah. stuff. And so you just, you know, like, you know, you get to this habit of saying, no, 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 no. Like, I don't need help. Like, I'm fine. You know, you want to figure it out on your own. You want to try and get the best price on your own without, you know, paying the middleman. Um, and so, like, when I went to Thailand, I brought that kind of same mentality where people would like offer to help. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm okay. Thank you though. I appreciate it. Um, just because I didn't want that obligation of, you know, the hand sticking out at the end, like wanting something. And I was just taken aback by how it just it really never happened. Like people just genuinely just saw that I was lost or, you know, just assumed that I was lost and needed yeah. help. Um, and we're just more than willing to come up and help and and then just like walk away and just be like all right cool you know you're good you're good yeah. all right cool and then just and walk away and it you know i it really it took a few days but i just had to just like all right i need to let down this barrier that i had you know previously raised up in order to you know feel independent and be a budget backpacker and yeah. and not get taken or uh you know pay more than my my fair share kind of a thing so um it was it was really a breath of fresh air and and um, not saying one's better than the other or anything like that. I just imagine what people are going to respond to that. Because <laughs> um, there's definitely pros and cons of both. Oh, yeah. and, you know, There's nothing wrong with supporting a middleman who's just trying to make a living yeah. helping you out as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as for being the independent budget backpacker I try to be, it uh, it was nice just like, you know, the, the, the genuineness behind it, I felt like. I just wasn't used to that. And so... Um, it really said a lot about the Thai people. Do you, I mean, do you think that that is, um, that relates to like the Buddhist culture? Um, Because there's a lot of Buddhism in in Thailand, right? Is that the predominant religion? Yeah, yeah, yep. Buddhism is the national religion there. Um, I have met quite a few um, Thai Christians as well. Um, In the South, there's a lot of Muslims, right? Islam is, yeah, a bigger religion there. A lot of Muslim um, students I had in school and some um, fellow Thai teachers that were, Muslim and everything, and it's certainly part of the Buddhist mentality, but I also think that it comes from deeper than that, being just the, the Thai way, um, which I think, you know, historically, obviously, religion and culture definitely tied together, but there's, when we talk to new foreigners coming in, we kind of say the, the Mai Pen Lai attitude, Mai Pen Lai kind of meaning no worries, um, no problem sort of thing and Thai people definitely have that sort of mentality you know you get into a frustrating situation or a problem and Thai people are the first to say oh my penai my penai you know no worry no problem I will help or you know I have lots of little food stall men and women who cook my food where um, I was living in Hua Hin and love popping in there chatting with them in Thai a little bit little English mixing it up and um, always super cheap food and everything um, but there's been a few instances actually where I either had you know a bill that was too big that they couldn't break and so they said oh next time next time pay me or I was like just short a few baht or something and I said oh I can you know come back with more money soon and they're like oh no 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 it's okay don't worry 
and um, that's very that's rare, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, Dry yeah, especially these, being a you know a foreigner and stuff. Yeah, and these people who are already you know charging very very little for what they're doing and stuff for them to even take less just because you know they know you'll come back they like you you've given something to them in that you know kind of friendship being in the community and stuff for so long and so they see interactions with friendly foreigners and everything as more than just a a customer um, sort of relationship it's you know you're now a friend and you're in their puak which is kind of a term for network or circle you know and so they they know that you give a little bit to them so they're fine to sacrifice a little bit themselves too and um, yeah getting away from the the point I started at <laughs> it's alright uh, just ramble man let it go <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I was just in Hua Hin and bounced to Bangkok to come here. And I'll have to spend a few days in Hua Hin again before I move back to Bangkok and start my new position. But um, it wasn't until, yeah, the last few days in Hua Hin, um, this last visit, where I realized how many connections I had made with Thai people in the community. And not people that I'd call up and necessarily go hang out with, but just from being around and seeing familiar faces and... Um, And we are back. All right, Zach. So looking online, there's a lot of courses that offer online certifications. And then there's, you know, like the Cambridge certification, which is probably three times more expensive than your average certification. How or do you have any any thoughts on like an online certification, getting a certification before you go as instead of going to the country and doing it there? Um, Explore Asia also does the online TESOL course, which still gets you the certification and certainly um, gives you access to the knowledge you need, but it's certainly different than being, you know, in a classroom with peers, actively, actively learning together. So um, if, if you're looking to have, if you really want the the support and really want to jump in headfirst, I would absolutely advise you to do an in-country sort of program. Um, and that can be, you know, TESOL, TEFL, which are basically the same sorts of things, just under kind of a big umbrella. Um, so TESOL or TEFL, if you're just looking for a short sort of experience, if you are looking to get into ESL teaching as a career, then maybe you start with the TESOL or TEFL and then eventually do the CELTA, or if you want to jump right in and spend the money and the time to do the CELTA, it is much more um, extensive. It's something I haven't even looked a lot into um, to do for for where I am now in Thailand. I don't feel that I need it necessarily, but if this is something I continue to grow a passion for and I want to do it you know, around the world, then that might be a next step for me. Um, but you're completely fine doing, yeah, the TESOL, TEFL, and just, yeah, going in with an open mind and willing to have fun as a teacher, you know, especially in Thailand, the Thai teachers don't expect you to be, um, you know, to have years of experience in a classroom or anything. They just want you to be confident, hardworking, and willing to 
to learn and grow at their school. You know, so it's good to have those tools that you get from the Tesla or TEFL program and go in with a, a plan, know how to create lesson plans and set up activities properly and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you don't need as much knowledge as you might think. So, um, How much does the course typically cost? Like how much did you pay for the certification and is there a range or are they all pretty standard on their rates? There's, there's certainly a bit of a range and um, now that I'm not associated with these programs, I can give away their secrets a little bit. No, <laughs> I love I, it. I, yeah, I, we want to hear secrets. <laughs> I won't go into too many details because I don't have all the numbers off the top of my head, but um, if I remember right, I paid around $2,000 for that entire program. So um, I went through Greenheart, like I said, and the great thing with Greenheart too, which not all programs offer, so it's worth shopping around for what you want in a program, um, but Greenheart offers like the one year of travel insurance with that cost. Um, everything that you pay to them goes towards the program with Explore Asia for the TESOL as well as the placement. Um, just about everything for your duration that you stay in Thailand, or not, not in Thailand, excuse me, in the city where you uh, do the TESOL course with Explore Asia. So for that month, that first month you're there, um, with the exception of your your food and you know your own free time transportation all of that stuff but it goes into the hotel cost and all of that um, so probably looking about if you want the extensive program um, that I absolutely think is worth it probably looking at investing two thousand dollars into that and that does that inc that doesn't include airfare and like right, it doesn't it does not. include food that first month right um, there are like Explorage always does a big end of orientation week, uh, beach barbecue with everyone when the course is down in Hua Hin. Um, but everyday meals are up to you. Um, fortunately, if you're working on a budget, then you can find affordable food. Um, the other thing to consider as well um, is that you're probably not, you will be guaranteed placement. So at the end of that month, you will have a place to move into or to be a new town to be moving to but you will have to pay that first month deposit and probably first month's rent to whatever apartment you move into. Uh, you'll have to you know, consider all of your expenses for that first month because you won't get a paycheck until the end of that first month. So you definitely want to plan to have enough money to be comfortable for your first two or three months just to be safe. And it can be tough because the, the bot, anytime you go to a foreign country and you get their money, it's like monopoly money, you know, and um, the conversion rate with the bot is pretty nice, so it feels like everything's really cheap. And on one hand, it is, but when you're going out twice as much as you usually would or um, ordering a lot more than you normally would, that adds up much faster than you would suspect. So you do have to be mindful of that. It's all part of the experience, though, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to dig into my credit card after m my first month because I was splurging a lot. And then with the, the interest rate there, plus like the international transaction fees and stuff, it kind of bit me in the butt. Um, but I've since recovered. But yeah, you definitely <laughs> want to plan to have a little bit of extra money in your pocket if you're going to be there. Um, that beg the question. You, I remember, so the way it works the with the company like Explore Asia after they place you and stuff, um, they, do they make money off of the time that you work at the school too? Is there a way to do it independently where 
um, if you wanted to, I don't know, does do you make a little bit more? I mean, obviously, there's you what you gain in maybe making a little bit more, you probably lack in um, the structure and, and the support. Um, but if people wanted to make that trade off, make it a little bit cheaper, um, are there any alternatives? That Definitely. They could look into? Yeah. I mean, you you really could do the whole thing just on your own if you were willing to take that risk, but it is just a big risk. And if you've never been to Thailand before and don't know a lot about it, like I said, I'm, you know, still learning through a lot of things and going through struggles and stuff. So it can be really, really scary if you're just going there completely blind. So if you want that safety net, that support, then putting that initial investment up first to, you know, guarantee that you have a really good six months or a year or however long you want to be there, um, then it's definitely the safe bet to go. Like I said, you can find schools that will hire you without the teaching certification, um, even without a degree, although if you don't have a degree, then you can't get a work permit. So that's another risk that you're taking by working there for that long of a period without a work permit, um, which is technically illegal but there's thousands of literally thousands of teachers there that are doing it um, it's one of those things they turn the blind eye because if they got rid of all of the great teachers that they have doing that then they you know Thailand would shoot themselves in the foot but um, yeah so you can definitely go a whole range of pathways but the other option you can do with ExploreAsia again sharing secrets here is do you know the TESOL only and again you're putting yourself at risk by trying to go off and just find your own placement because one thing there there are websites and things that offer jobs and stuff but it's just the the Thai way isn't the same and so schools don't have the resources usually to do like their own recruiting for teachers and everything which is why many of them go through an agency so <clears throat> the majority of the teachers' exploration places are placed with an agency who kind of act as that middleman who do get a little bit of money for kind of acting on your behalf and representing you to the school, um, which means that maybe a small portion of what could be your salary goes to them. So that's kind of the compromise for having their extra support. But you know that you have that leverage with them. And if you go through the placement process with ExploreAsia, ExploreAsia is connecting you with that agent, then you also have ExploreAsia as leverage if the school ever does, which is rare, but if the school decides that they want to kind of screw you over, they do something weird with their contract, and you really have your hands tied, then you can call up your agent. If your agent doesn't help, ExploreAsia will act as your leverage to you know, tell the school, you know, we place teachers with you all the time, we know you, we work with you, you know, here's what you're going to do to help out our teacher because this is your responsibility. So doing it that way, you have leverage going through the program. But it's certainly possible to just say, you know what, I just want the training and then I'm just going to go live exactly where I want to go and wing it. Which, again, is risky. Yeah. But if, if that's your priority then um, and you want to be completely independent and in control, you'll probably want to give yourself an extra couple months financial buffer um, to just expect to live without a job um, and it's gonna be tough but it can be done 
in Explore Asia, they help out with your visa and maintaining your visa, renewing your visa and stuff like that, or is that is that something you do independently on your it's, own? It's something you, you physically do independently, and you're, because everyone's visa is going to be slightly different, um, depending on you know when you enter the country, your stamp's going to be a little bit different, even from the same people on your course. If you came a few days earlier than you know, the person sitting next to you, then you're going to be off by a few days. So Explore Asia doesn't have their hands on the visa process um, physically, but they do have their Facebook page and are in touch with people constantly by email to make sure that people are being reminded to, you know, check your visas. Here's some news we've heard about this sort of thing when working with immigration or this new rule when you're crossing the border at Myanmar. So we try and Explore Asia tries to keep everyone updated and um, in the loop with any new info about that sort of stuff. But yeah, you're definitely solely responsible for making sure all of that stuff is updated. Once you do get to a school, however, the whether it's through an agent or direct with the school, they will help you get the necessary paperwork to get a work permit or to make sure that you can get the correct visa. Um, but it's up to you to kind of make that first step to say, here's where my visa's at, how do I get a work permit, or my visa expires here, I need to make sure I get time off to do a border run and get this extended sort of thing, so it's definitely up to you. And we've had people who, fortunately a very few number of people, who do think that the responsibility is on their agent or someone else, and they kind of screw themselves over and don't think about it, and then they have to pay an overstay fine, Mm -hmm which in Thailand can also put you at risk of being blacklisted because they're very serious about that. So definitely, definitely, in general with traveling, keep an eye on your visa times. But yeah, in Thailand, staying there, definitely know those dates. Um, I went through this, I went through this with other jobs where things can be complicated or you just, you know, not aware of the process very often where either either the company does or you feel like the company does kind of take advantage of you or um, you know you just feel like maybe you didn't ask the right questions and you weren't completely prepared um, and I, I don't remember I can't remember if you had said that you there had been some areas like that that you had felt like you know you were misled or where you felt like maybe you were taken advantage of is there any questions or anything that can that you'd recommend people asking just to like prevent them from feeling like that um, before they go because otherwise I mean, you know when you're a long ways away from home and you think something's one way but maybe it's maybe it's you didn't read um, you didn't read all the information or you didn't ask the right questions or maybe the company just didn't provide certain things and so now all of a sudden you're feeling you know a long way away from home and taken advantage of are there any questions you'd recommend them asking did you go through any experiences like that um some but little things but yeah there's things that Explorage participants coming in some of them are given they talk to someone else at a different um, partner organization that gives them a little bit different information so people come with slightly different information and sometimes get frustrated when things are told to them differently so um, a program might say you know this is the cost everything included and it's kind of a vague blanket statement more times than not it's not going to mean everything included like for example going through Explore Asia, they help you get set up with a bank account, which usually you can't do until you have a work permit, but they can kind of vouch for you and they work with a really good bank there. Um, 
same account. I still have to get that set up. There's a small, just like with any bank, there's a small fee that you have to pay that's not included in that upfront cost. So that's a, another little thing that chips away at maybe some money you have. Um, participants staying, you know, it might say, you know, your hotel is included in this cost, but participants have to put in a deposit. And at the end of the month, your electricity costs come out of that deposit, which is pretty minimal. Um, but it's one of those things where people are like, oh, I thought everything was included. Oh, but this is, you know, separate. So if you don't use any electricity, yeah, it's all included. So those little <laughs> things. Um, so, I mean, ask those questions. Think about little additional costs that might accrue themselves and ask, you know, I just want to budget really well. Can you just tell me, you know, is the electricity at my hotel included in this cost? Is there a bank that I'm setting up that's going to have a fee? Um, what transportation costs are you covering and are you not covering? Just little things like that. And then once you get to your school, um, the nice thing there is you'll obviously be presented with a contract and you can go through that. In English or in Thai? In English. Okay. In English. <laughs> um, 99% of the time, hopefully. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone being sat down with a Thai contract and having someone like, okay, I'll translate this for you. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, sign here. So it's fortunately fine. in English. Sometimes some of the language can be hard to understand because it is written by a Thai person. But um, no, yeah, so definitely look through the contract, make sure you understand everything. I never felt like I was screwed over in any way. I think one of the main frustrating things that kind of comes with the Thai territory is that Thai schools don't always have set dates for when school is going to start or end, or specifically when school breaks are. They come pretty last minute. So you might be presented with a contract that says, you know, the first semester is going to go from this date to this date, and then you're going to have a three-week break, and then school starts back up on this date. Those dates may shift by a week or two weeks. So if you're planning some trip during that break period, months in advance, and then that shifts, it can really present problems. So making sure that you're asking about, <coughs> excuse me, break periods and extracurricular activities or weekend obligations because English camps and different school activities around holidays and stuff are often things that the Thai teachers expect foreign teachers to try and be a part of. So they will have that expectation of you to be there um, a little bit more than what the contract might say. And they won't give you a heads up. I've, I've been pulled into weekend things countless times or, you know, oh, we want you to stay after school tomorrow for this activity. Um, oh, well, I, you know, had plans to run and do this. Oh, well, I guess you can go, but it would be better if you stay and do this, which is kind of code for you're going to piss a lot of people off if you. It's like we're not going to be mad at you, but we're going to be very disappointed. Exactly. So. Yeah. So just little things like that about your time that you need to be understanding of, but that it's completely fine for you to to ask and kind of, you know, poke people about, can I get those dates? Are they firm yet? I'm wanting to make vacation plans, all of that. Uh, I think that's one of the main things that frustrates teachers going out there is dates shifting and certain expectations changing and stuff like that. So ask those sorts of questions. It's all good information. So we've covered, you know, kind of what people can start researching, expected costs, um, expected income, things to look for in a TESOL program, 
Is there anything else you'd recommend to someone looking to teach English abroad or in Thailand or just in general? Um, I mean, like I've kind of said and um, kind of the big message I like to always give to people is find ways outside of just the travel and the teaching. Find ways to, to give back and really make a mark on not only the school but your community and find ways to get involved. One really cool thing that's in Hua Hin where Explore Asia's uh, main office is located is there's a, um, a partner organization with Explore Asia called Rescue Paws that works with stray dogs in the area and helps to vaccinate and sterilize dogs to help reduce the stray dog population and um, help make a healthier life for the dogs around there because stray dogs are all over in Thailand. Um, so that's an amazing organization. Get involved with one of those elephant nature parks or um, if there's some local organization in a town that you end up in, look for a way to volunteer just to give back and do little things because I think they absolutely go a long ways in the community, but when you're struggling with culture shock and homesickness and all of those things, when you have things in your area that you feel passionate about and that you are putting a lot of time and energy and putting your heart into, um, I think that makes the experience feel a lot more worthwhile and also prevents you from getting as frustrated with all of the little struggles that you're inevitably going to encounter. So always just give back. I love it. It's great advice. All right. Almost done with you here. Just a few rapid fire questions. I'm going to try and tailor these a little bit. Um, So these are just standard questions I ask everybody and you can make your answers as short as long as you want. Um, They're just rapid fire as far as I'm just going to ask you and then without a lot of follow up. Um, If you could travel with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and where would you go? Um, Oh, that's such a tough question. I don't know if this is going to be very rapid fire for me. My brain's not processing. No, no, no. Take your time. Um... I said I can cut out the uh, the blank space. Ah, okay, true. <laughs> um, I think I would say Alan Watts, if you know who he is. He is deceased, um, but he was a philosopher and professor of Zen Buddhism, and I listen to his lectures and everything all the time, and have read a few of his books and just his his outlook on life and the universe in general is fascinating and I think being able to bring him back and spend some real time with him and to hear the way that he takes in the world when he's traveling would be amazing Um, where would we go I think because I really have enjoyed my time in Southeast Asia and because he um, is a, a philosopher in Zen Buddhism probably say Japan. I haven't been to Japan yet, and he's spent time in Japan. I think he'd be a great tour guide. I like it. So, do you collect anything while traveling or while living in Thailand? Memories. No. Um, <laughs> in in a sense, money. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone likes to hold on to some bills and everything when they go through places. I have way more than I probably need because I try to get every denomination of the different bills and also if they have different um, 
printed styles, I also try to have both of those. Oh, wow. So from yeah. every country that I have, I try and get as much as I can, which I haven't counted up and added up how much in American dollars I actually <laughs> have, but I have a good stack of money from, yeah, a lot of bills from Thailand, um, Myanmar, Laos, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan. So have a, quite a collection. So I'd say money. I'm fascinated with that. That's three for three um, on that. I, you know, I thought I was unique in that coming up with that, but it seems like that is a very common way of doing it. And it's, and it's fun because the money can be so beautiful. Um, it's just like, and it's easy to carry around with you and pack around. Yeah. So. And with having spent a lot of time in Thailand and learned a lot about the culture and history with the different pictures on there, I have since learned a lot about the images on the Thai bills. So mm -hmm. that's an easy way to kind of tell the story of Thailand when I'm showing oh, yeah. people money too. So. I like that. Yeah, there's probably a lot of history and culture on those bills. That's something I didn't even think about. But now I want to kind of go back and look at the different countries and see who the people are on there and their significance yeah. and their roles and stuff. Yeah. Ah, great point. Um, what do you wish you had known before ever leaving the country? Um, the thing that you can't really get until you get in there but really understanding the amount of patience that I would need and I think whether it is just traveling or going to study abroad or work abroad you need to be willing to have a whole new approach to to patience and an appreciation for it because patience with yourself as well as you know the culture that you're going to be acclimating to um because you're inevitably going to go through struggles regardless of where you go. And if you get frustrated with other people, then you're not going to be liked, and that's going to cause issues. And if you're too frustrated with yourself, then you're not going to enjoy anything you're doing. So I think patience is a huge thing that if you can find a way to harness that before you travel, then I think it's important. Yeah, too many expectations of hoping things run the same as they do back at home can definitely leave you frustrated. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um... What is something travel has taught you that you'd wished you'd known your whole life? That might be very similar to the other questions. Um, I guess similar, but touched on it a while back that everyone, when it when it comes down to it, wants the same thing, you know, to to be loved and to share love and to live a a healthy and fairly comfortable life with. Um, people that you enjoy being around and I don't think that we always realize that and especially when like, this time of year when politics are rampant in the news and everything we only focus on differences and what we need and everything like that and we forget that we're all humans and that we need to take care of each other so um, I think the the humility that comes in with travel and realizing that the vast majority of people are great, amazing, kind, caring people, and that we need to stop being so afraid of the differences and realize that we can get along a lot better than what we seem to do sometimes. But yeah, it was an election year. It sure was an effort. Almost <laughs> forgot about that. What is the single most important item you travel with that is under $50? My, my film camera is close, but it may have cost me a little bit more than $50. 
Um, but I would say a journal. Um, it's been a while since I've done it routinely, but I think that it's very therapeutic to journal, whether it is through writing or doodling or whatever. But I've recently gone back through a couple of my um, notebooks that I've had, and it's crazy how much so much of it comes back, and it um, is really nice to reflect on those experiences. And I have some really dark things that I've written in there when I was really having some struggles. Um, but looking back on it, I see how much I've grown, how much I've learned since. And so I think if you can document, you know, your journey in some way, then it can be really, really beneficial. Something I've always struggled with. I, I, I did it when I studied in Spain and I did it uh, backpacking through Europe and and then a shortened form in South America, just writing like little bullet points. But, you know, I've it's incredible what just a line or a few keywords from the day can like spark in your head if you want to recall some things later. Yeah. How you doing? Remember him? Death? Hey, how's it going? Bellas. <laughs> good. How are you? Doing well. I, I you. You oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. I forgot you guys dropped by the potato truck there. Yeah. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Almost done with them. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's no big deal. I'm just stuck. Uh, you can sit in on the last couple of questions. There you go. Um, let's see. What would you say is a common misconception that Thai people have about Americans or the United States? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Fire away. <laughs> I think the main misconception is that, um, especially coming from America, that we all have money. And I'm definitely fortunate um certainly don't come from a, a rich family by any means but have been very grateful for what i have had um, but i'm certainly not you know a, a huge spender over in thailand so i can't just waste waste away money but thai people definitely seem to think that we have no issues with money going over there because they know that it's cheaper there and so they think that there's no way that we could struggle financially and so thai teachers while it isn't like a an issue doesn't create angst or anything. It's definitely something that Thai people often think you can just spend away or, oh, you can you know, afford to do this because you're from America. It's like, well, no, why do you think that? So I think that's a misconception that um, is interesting to encounter. The other big thing is um, the, the idea of self-image and beauty and everything in Thailand. They're very obsessed with their whitening creams and everything like that. That surprised me a lot when you when you taught me about that when I was over there and seeing the products. Yeah, yeah, and I think every culture has you know some very unique perspectives of beauty and everything, and so it's definitely fascinating to see. Uh, but it's something you encounter with young people, especially, and you know you have a friend of a student who or a student you're talking to, and they say, "Oh, I'm not beautiful," or "My friend's not beautiful because their skin is very dark." And with a language barrier, it's really tough to try and approach that. Um, but you want to try and understand, like, why do you think that, you know? So it's one of those misconceptions that I never thought I'd have to really talk to with kids. Um, but taking that time to touch on it has been rewarding in a way and being faced with those challenges and everything. Um, cultural differences were unexpected, but if you approach them right, then they can be, yeah, rewarding. 
what are there any books, blogs, or other mediums that you um, reference for either travel purposes or inspiration or any anything that you recommend? Um, well, your blog, you know, it's I'm always <laughs> I, I appreciate that you, plug. <laughs> <laughs> I could use the views. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I could say that I had an active blog that I could plug, but haven't been at it in a while. Um, I'm trying to think of any specific ones. In in Thailand, there's definitely ones that pop up when you start to search Thai news and everything. Um, Coconuts Bangkok is a fun one if you are in Thailand specifically. Um, and I couldn't, I wish I could name them, but a lot of the, the new teachers that we've had come through our program and that I've um, taught and everything have some really great blogs. I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but I'll um, follow up with you and uh, try and get those down at least for the notes for yeah yeah stuff. so if yeah if people are wanting more information or photos firsthand experience of what teachers are going through all around the country then I definitely have a lot of people that I could definitely reach out to um, other mediums I mean I think I definitely go to YouTube a lot just to search for thing I mean they have amazing vloggers and information on there. Um, if you're looking to start learning Thai, random one, but popped into my head, um, Learn Thai with Mod is a great YouTube channel. Um, if you are going to Thailand and want some beginner level sorts of lessons online, um, man, yeah. It's a good start. Yeah, yeah. Learn, learn yeah. some Thai. That's that's the tip. <laughs> when you when you're gonna take a trip, you're gonna fly. What are your must pack carry on travel items? Definitely a good book, or if you have a Kindle or iPad or something, um, definitely have something to read. And I'd mentioned Alan Watts before. I would definitely recommend him. Or um, I think you actually loaned me the book uh, Rebel Buddha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a great book. So find something that is not necessarily spiritual, but in some vein philosophically related to what you're trying to get at when you're traveling and I think books are the best way to get into that mindset and that energy that you want when you're traveling so definitely a good book um, I love watching movies too so <laughs> I would say load up your iPad with movies or whatnot but um, I think books are more enriching for sure um, and if you're a doodler like me to have that journal like I mentioned before um, other carry-on items a pen, because when you need to fill out that immigration form, it's nice to be able to just pull that out of your pocket. Oh, that's key. That's something <laughs> I don't even think of. But, yeah, that's that's great to have. Yeah. Small one, but, yeah. All right, Zach. Well, I think that that's all the rapid-fire questions I have for you today. I really appreciate taking this time out to uh, share your knowledge about teaching in Thailand and even just a lot of the cultural insights yeah, you gave absolutely. on Thailand. So hopefully I'll see you again this year. Is there any... Any requests from anybody listening, or or if you want them to be able to contact you, is there any way that people could follow you, reach you, if they have any questions about teaching in Thailand or teaching English abroad in general? Um, yeah, absolutely. People are more than welcome to reach out to me. The easiest way is probably Facebook. Um, uh, Zach Snodderly or Teacher Zach, Z-A-K if you search for that. Um, or I also have an Instagram that I'm super active on if you want to see any of my photos and stuff that I post. Thank you very much. Lots of selfies with the children. I love it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so if you do have 
questions or want any tips or anything for traveling in Thailand or that area, then yeah, definitely hit me up. Awesome. Definitely put that in the notes too. Everyone thank can you, thank you. find everything we've talked about linked up in the notes. Zach, once again, it's a pleasure to have you home back pleasure in Boise. Pleasure to see you again. Hopefully I'll see you over in Southeast Asia. Yeah, definitely. Definitely welcome to visit my new place. It's got a pool at my new apartment I'm moving into, so I'm excited about that. Is that an open invitation to everybody listening as well? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> if you come in, not everyone at once, but you know, one at a time, one I've got space. Are you on couch surfing? I, I think I do have an account that I set up years ago, but... I, so you're on I haven't been. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, you can probably find me. They don't delete it. But I don't know if I have my notifications on. <laughs> All right, man. I really appreciate it. I'll let you guys uh, go enjoy the rest of your time here in Boise for the holidays. Sound good. Thank you very much.